grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever been confronted, been confronted with a major barrier in communication? Uh, if you've had children, you may remember the challenges in hearing a baby crying, but you're not really sure what the reason is. Of course, the baby is letting you know something is up, but the baby can't explain to you what's wrong or what is needed. Or if you've ever tried to communicate with somebody who is speaking to you in another language, you may find yourself playing charades in order to communicate. In some languages, uh, they, ha they share words with ours, so there are certain things that you might be able to say that there would be some sort of understanding. And it's much different, though, when it comes to those who are uh, deaf, which, by the way, I haven't been hearing that feedback, so whatever adjustments have been made uh, seem to, to have worked. Uh, anyway, when it comes to the deaf, if you don't know sign language, it can be very difficult to communicate uh, with those who are deaf. You might try to engage in some sort of charade, some sh sort of motion pointing in order to try to explain uh, but they can't hear your words that you are speaking. Sometimes we might be tempted to speak louder and maybe even yell because we think that that would somehow help them in hearing, but if they're deaf, they are simply deaf. They can see things that might be wrong, like they could see someone crying, but they won't hear uh, that person. They won't be able to hear uh, the situation. Now, the deaf community in America is the least Christian group of people. It is hard to reach them with the gospel. I was an undergraduate at the University of Minnesota. I attended a campus ministry there. Uh, the congregation uh, worshipped in a sanctuary that had uh, plenty of space. It was a building that was owned by the district, and so also housed in that same building was another congregation. It was called Prince of Peace Lutheran Church for the Deaf. At some point, maybe when I was there, or maybe in the years following, they moved to another location, uh, another congregation uh, began to house them. But they gathered on Sunday mornings about a half hour after we did. So they would usually arrive after we're already in worship and they would enter the building and go downstairs to where they had their services. The services were done completely in silence. Sometimes I would see them leaving, but I guess I will admit, because I did not know how to communicate with them, I made no effort to do so. We do give thanks for those churches that are able to communicate to those who have no hearing at all, and for the ministries that we can support uh, to help to, to bring the gospel to those who are deaf. Now, some have wrongly suggested that the deaf have received a particularly bad punishment from God. They have wrongly suggested that the deaf cannot believe in Christ. They use, as their proof text, Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But just because that is written in that way does not mean that the only way a person can come to faith is through hearing the gospel. For we believe that if a person reads the scriptures, 
that person can come to faith. If a person reads faithful devotional literature, that person can also come to faith. When a baby is baptized, that baby doesn't understand the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus describes the little ones, the the tiniest of those who are born to have faith when Jesus talks about them believing in him in Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew 21, Jesus talks about the perfect praise that God has brought forth from the little ones. And, and also it is written in John 6, 29, the words of Jesus, this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom he has sent. So even though the baby may hear the word of God in his baptism, that baby still does not understand these words, and yet God the Holy Spirit is at work to create faith without that understanding. The same God the Holy Spirit, the same God is at work uh, in today's gospel. God was at work. For the people brought to Jesus a man who was deaf. And the scriptures describe this deaf man as having an impediment in his speech, suggesting that he wasn't completely mute, but he did have a voice box that could work. It may be that this man had hearing early in his life. The scriptures don't talk more about this man in his past. He could have had hearing and then lost his hearing completely. And if that is the case, then he would have known how to speak the language. But in the years that he could not hear the language, he then was not able to keep on correcting himself. His speech would gradually become slurred and hard to understand, causing this impediment in his speech. We don't realize it. But as we hear, our brains are constantly correcting ourselves so that our speech remains clear and good. That's why those with extreme hearing loss often have a speech that becomes less clear. Now, it could, also, it could be, instead of what I just described, that this man could have been born deaf, and that because he still had some vocal cords that could make a few sounds, he may have, by feeling vibrations in another person's throat, that he could have learned to make a few sounds so that he could make, make a few words out that may, might not be the clearest. But in any case, we do know that this man has some sort of speech impediment. The method that Jesus used when, when they brought to Jesus this, de this deaf-mute man is much different than what Jesus does in most of his other recorded miracles. Jesus takes this man aside. He appears to be using some signs to explain to this man what he is about to do. Even though he's deaf and has this impediment in his speech, it doesn't mean that he's also blind. And so what Jesus does is he puts his fingers in the man's ears and then he spits and he touches the man's tongue and then Jesus says this word ephetha, which means be opened, and immediately the man's hearing is restored. He could hear clearly. 
What an amazing miracle that Jesus performed. And what's even more amazing about this miracle, in my opinion, is that he no longer has unclear speech, but that he could now speak plainly. He could speak clearly. He could speak, the, 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 the Greek word used there is for, for ortho, meaning right or correct, where we get orthodox or where orthodontists work and straighten your teeth. He could now speak rightly. His word, his speech is now suddenly very clear. So he didn't have to take years of hearing the language in order to then speak it correctly. You know, when a person learns uh, their, their native tongue and then as an adult learns another language, that person's going to forever have an accent. He doesn't have this accent because the way Jesus performs this miracle, he can now speak clearly immediately. What an amazing miracle. Now this miracle performed by our Lord demonstrates yet again that Jesus is God himself, for only God can do a miracle like this. His miracles taught the people that he is truly the Messiah that they had been anticipating. People could know that his teaching and preaching were true, that he would not lie, that his words are words of God because his miracles help prove who he is. Jesus would, would further then reveal himself, who he is as the Christ, as the Lord's anointed, when he is transfigured, when he goes to the cross to pay for the world's sin, and when he would rise from the dead and ascend into heaven, things that only the Lord's anointed, the Messiah, could do so that our sins would be atoned for and so that we can be granted the gift of life. Now, the man that Jesus healed had been deaf and mute, and this did not come about to him by choice. But there is a deafness and a muteness that occurs way too often in our day, and even in that day, that's why they crucified the Lord. And I'm not talking about a self-inflicted mutilation of making a person mute or deaf. I'm not talking about this choice of, of muteness and deafness that a person makes out of his own choices by listening to super loud music or when he's at work not protecting his ears around noisy equipment. Instead, I'm talking about those who are spiritually deaf, those who have had the opportunity week after week to hear the word of God, but have chosen to close their ears and not listen. They might be present physically, but their mind is elsewhere. Their hearts and their thoughts are elsewhere. Or maybe they simply choose to absent themselves. They figure that they know what's going to happen. It's just like the previous Sunday, so they decide since they know it, they don't need to hear it, and they don't realize that they have, they're making themselves uh, spiritually deaf. It really is amazing, and it's also sad, of how many people close their ears to the gospel. Some do it intentionally. Others do it without realizing how they've become deaf, deaf as they have neglected the word through their lifestyle choices. Now, it can happen when 
they figure that they've completed all that they need to learn, all theological matters in their confirmation, and that they're now done. It can happen when God's people, who have been given the ability to read, do not bother to open their Bibles at home and read them. It can happen when those who consider themselves Christian just figure that there might be a better use of their time and not gather in God's house. It can happen when parents, for whatever reason, do not bring their little ones to God's house for baptism. It can happen when Christians do not receive the body and blood of Jesus frequently, even though Jesus says, do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. They become deaf to the gospel. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And many become deaf saying, it's the only time I can get rest at home, or it's the only time I can have some time for myself, or it's the only day that I can get to the cabin or to the golf course. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of believers. And many become deaf, figuring they can remain Christian without being among the gathering of believers. God teaches all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And many make themselves deaf by not using these scriptures so that they can be profitably taught and corrected and trained in righteousness. Many are also deaf to the law of God, which is written for our learning. Our epistle describes it as a glorious teaching from God. Of course, the epistle then describes the gospel as even more glorious. Many become deaf to the law because as Lutherans, they know well and good, it's been pounded into them over and over again. You are not saved by your works. And therefore, people become deaf to the law. They say, what do I need the law for? I don't need any instruction from anybody. I don't need the church telling me what to do, and I don't need God telling me what to do. I don't need the Bible telling me what to do because I'm not saved by any of that anyway. And so then they conveniently make themselves deaf to the law so that they do not have to walk in the ways that God would teach. The law says be kindly affectionate to one another, and all too often people become bitter toward one another. Jesus says, love one another. And too often people begin to hate one another or look at people with an evil eye or engage in other kinds of vitriol. It is written, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. And then many give paltry amounts back to the Lord, sinfully desiring to cling to what God graciously entrusted to them in the first place. What does this kind of deafness lead to? Of course, it leads to lawlessness. It demonstrates a lack of fear, love, and trust in the Lord. It can certainly lead to eternal death. And like the man in today's gospel, this deafness leads to being mute. It, if we do not hear, we will not speak. The Psalter declares, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. These are beautiful words. A verse that I encourage you to learn by heart. It's one that annually 
in our order for daily meditation and prayer that you can find in the inside back cover of your bulletins. Every year I include that verse at some point. And if you read those verses every day, you begin to commit them to memory. And I encourage you to learn Psalm 105, verse 1, the one that I just read to you, uh, and to learn it by heart. For this verse describes the very opposite of spiritual muteness. Now granted, it's not the verse for today. That's inside your bulletins. Again, Psalm 105, verse 1 says, it begins by saying, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. This is a call of God to thanksgiving, to speak, to give words of gratitude back to the Lord. And we not only show it by how we, what we say, but we also demonstrate our gratitude by our daily lives as we seek to honor God with our bodies and with our possessions and with our time. We give thanks because Jesus poured out his blood for us on the cross. He served as our all-sufficient sacrificial offering by shedding his blood, dying in our place. That way, our sins are paid for, knowing that Christ, through this act, has reconciled us to our Father. How could we not but want to return thanks to the Lord, to give thanks to him? The psalm continues, call upon his name, which is a call to not be mute, but to speak to the Lord, to pray to him. We pray because he has taught us to pray. He instructs us to pray. He delights in our prayers. Our prayers do not just simply come about by witnessing the circumstances that occur in our lives and in the lives of those whom we love, but our prayers even more so come about as we are not deaf to the word, but are in the word. The more we hear of the word, the more we study the word, the more we read it, the more we learn to turn to him in prayer the more we desire to spend in prayer. God, of course, promises to hear us. In fact, he delights in our prayers. And then that verse concludes, make known his deeds among the peoples. In the chapter after our epistle lesson, St. Paul writes, we believe and so we speak. Right before our Lord's ascension into heaven, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We teach, that is, we make known his deeds among the peoples, because the Holy Spirit works faith through his word, because we ourselves have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and so we want to tell others that good news of Jesus Christ we have something to talk about, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem to be our Savior, that he died on the cross to pay for our sins, that he seeks and saves the lost, that he reconciles us to our Father, that no matter how great our sinful past has been, Jesus truly paid for all sin on the cross. So we have much to, to, to speak about that our sins are forgiven, yours and mine, and that in him we have life. What people talk about often reveals what is important to them. We often talk about our families, especially our children and grandchildren, because they are, of course, important to us. They are blessings and gifts from the Lord. 
and it is good for us to talk about them. But of course, pride and bragging and things like that can be sinful. Now the word is a blessing. Christ coming to be our savior is nothing but sheer joy and a great blessing. And so we speak his word, we speak the saving word of Christ. It is sad when people will speak about sports and the weather, but will not talk about that hope that is within them. The hope that we have by being Christians, by being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by being called by the gospel, by being taught and shown how we have access to eternal life. This hope is grand and glorious. It goes beyond anything we could possibly obtain in this world. And while the law is glorious and good, it is nearly as glorious and good as what Jesus has earned for us and grants to us out of his grace, the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with our Father in heaven, the fact that Jesus died to set us free, free from our sin, and that he rose to give us eternal life. He showers us with his constant love and his ever-abiding presence. Surely we too can conclude as those who witnessed this glorious miracle that Jesus performed by healing this deaf-mute man, we can say as they did, surely he has done all things well. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.